Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where our goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about getting loans, how to get pre-approved, all of that good stuff. But one of the big questions that people have at the moment with rising rates is about you know loan programs. Which loan program is right for me? Most people out there are familiar with fixed rate loans, 30-year fixed and 15-year fixed. But many people out there aren't familiar with the adjustable rate mortgages because they haven't been around over the last couple of years. So in today's video, we're going to do a deep dive into ARMS, adjustable rate loans or adjustable rate mortgages to help you become the educated home buyer. So Josh, you know, typically, you know, when I got in the business in, in, in 2004, 2004, is that when I got in? 2004 is when I got in the business. You're, you're old, Jeb. You are old. So that was a time when, honestly, fixed rates weren't even a thing, right? Because, you know, the fixed rates were higher, right? So so the shorter term, the ARM loans at that time were were way more attractive just because the interest rates were so much less. And so when I got introduced to the business, I was introduced into shorter term loans, two, three, five-year ARMS. And then over the course of my career, clearly things have changed and fixed rates have become common. So if you've been in the market over the last five to seven years, you probably don't know anything about adjustable rates because they haven't been around. But as interest rates have risen, if you will, um, arms are becoming a little bit more attractive and many people out there aren't familiar with them. So why don't you just tell us, Josh, to start off what an adjustable rate mortgage is, and then we can take a deep dive from there. So let's just start with the frame of reference that everyone has. What's a fixed rate mortgage? We know what it is. You take a loan out for a period of time, 30 years, 20 years, 15 years, and you have fixed periodic payments that do not change. The interest rate doesn't change. Your payment doesn't change. And you make that payment through the duration of the loan. An adjustable rate, on the other hand, um, as, as the name implies, is going to adjust. It's a variable rate based off of a, a couple of factors, basically an index and a margin. Most people don't really care what those things are. All that it means is the lender doesn't get to make up what the rate is at the adjustment. There's a published index plus a margin that they add to it, and that calculation tells you what your interest rate is. So if we go way back in time, everyone remembers the fun uh, 1980s when um, mortgage rates were up at 16, 17, 18%. Everyone was doing adjustable rate mortgages at that time because they were 12%, 11.5%, 13%. So when you have a 3 4 5% interest savings, it's kind of a no-brainer. And at that time, most of those were monthly adjustables or even a three-month adjustable. Like that loan was immediately going to vary. What we see today that is far more common other than high net worth borrowers dealing with uh, you know, the, the private client desk at their bank, almost no one does monthly or, or quarterly adjustable rates or even annual uh, adjustable rates. They take out a hybrid arm. So generally three years, five years, seven years, or 10 years is the fixed period. 
So it's still amortized like a normal 30-year loan, but you only have that fixed period where you can count on a consistent payment. Right. So three and five on the short end, seven and 10 years on the, the long end. And we can get into why um, the seven and 10 are a little bit more common post 2008. The, the big reason. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to talk about the stigma around ARM loans to give people kind of a, an idea of why, you know, they're kind of looked at negatively at the moment. But it sounds like you're kind of going that direction. No, no, no. no let's let's talk about it. That's a perfect spot to to sort of interject because I was going to say what's changed after 2008, um, prior to that, and you were talking about you know in the early 2000s rates were you know six six and a half percent, and if you would say take a seven one arm, you could get a half to a percent lower at that time. So not the giant gap that you saw in the early 80s, but still a nice savings. And at that time, we had numbers that said the average tenure in a home, the average length of time a homeowner owns a home was about seven years. So if I can get you a seven one arm that's fixed for seven years and it's three quarters percent lower in interest rate, why wouldn't you do it? So that was the common thing. That was a normal mortgage planning tool that we would use. But where you were going, Jeb, is the crazy thing as subprime loans got more and more popular, those were almost exclusively either a 228 or a 327. Basically, the only important part of that is the two or the three, meaning these right. loans were only fixed for two or three years. And a lot of them were interest only at the time, right? So you weren't even paying down principal on the loan. You were literally paying the interest. And in some cases, not even either, right? You were just, you, you were deferring part of the interest to the back of the loan actually building the 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 balance on that loan over time and that and jeff that's a, it's an important point there's that's another type of adjustable rate mortgage that no longer exists so it was called the option arm so with the option arm it varied um month to month it was immediately adjustable and you were not even required to make the interest only payment you could have a negatively amortizing payment where you made less than the interest payment uh, just so it sounds it, crazy it doesn't it sound crazy mean, you, you it sounds crazy back how dumb was that i mean it yeah. is ridiculous but the the crazy thing though jeb is that product existed since back in the 80s and it was reserved for high down high credit score sophisticated borrowers and it worked well um Gold, golden west savings which became um it wasn't washington mutual who, who the heck was it? world savings um originated those in in the 80s and they were really particular and not only did the loan go to an underwriter there was a loan committee that sat around and said are we comfortable loaning the bank's money on this well flash forward 20 years and we were giving those loans to anyone where they didn't even have to make that payment so the loans that we're discussing today bear no resemblance to either the 228, 327 subprime arms that were only fixed for two or three years or the negatively amortizing option arms that adjusted immediately and didn't even require you to pay the full interest payment. So where I was going is that post-2008, government uh, the government always reacts to any crisis and implements guidelines and regulations so we were way under regulated before and the regulations that we have right now are not the greatest but they're definitely a thousand percent better than what we had before and what they did is, is that if a loan is fixed for five years or less so 60 months or less with a fixed rate you have to account for the potential payment shock that that payment is going to go up so 
a lot of times the most common thing that a lender does if you take out a 3-1 arm or a 5-1 arm they're going to qualify you at whatever the rate is plus two percent or the fully indexed rate whichever is higher and all that fully indexed means is your index plus your margin and if that were higher than your interest rate they might qualify you at that but for the most part let's say you're taking out a five one and today that's four and a half percent they're going to qualify you at six and a half percent but let's let's for the viewer out there or the listener that doesn't understand what we're talking about when you get a 30-year fixed loan and say your interest rate today is five percent the lender's qualifying you based on the interest rate that you're actually getting for that fixed term which is five percent what josh is saying here is that if it's five you know, uh, an arm that's five years or less, they're taking the rate that you're getting and then they're adding 2%, a margin on top of it, if you will, to qualify you at a higher rate because, you know, those those fixed terms at some point are no longer fixed, right? It's an adjustable loan. So after that five-year period, it might adjust every six months. It might every adjust every year, whatever that is. They're saying, hey, let's make sure that their income, their debt, whatever meets the guidelines to be able to withstand a jump in this payment at some point in the future, just to make sure we have a qualified buyer. Yep. We don't want we don't want bad outcomes for the borrowers when the payment jumps up. We don't want bad outcomes for the banks to have a bunch of foreclosures. And we don't want bad outcomes for the system and society right. where we have a wave of foreclosures. So it makes sense. Now, if we go to 61 months or longer, so really you're talking the seven year, the 10 year, those we're going to qualify at the fully indexed rate or the start rate. And, and the start rate on most of those is higher than the fully indexed rate today. So you can qualify at the start rate. So there's um, a, a benefit. So if you want, Jeb, we kind of want to transition into why, why would I take an adjustable rate? I, I'm, well, I'm giving up the security of 30 years of fixed rate and I'm taking on an adjustable. What are the reasons why I might do that? Right. And, and, and let's go back a moment here and just talk about some of the stigma that people have about adjustable rates, just so it, it's clear, right? Most people that are thinking about adjustable now that have a negative like thought about it is 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 because of the last crisis that we talked about you know a moment ago but we didn't say necessarily why and part of the reason why is at that time you know what happened was those loans two and three year fixed at some point well after two or three years they actually started adjusting and at that time what you had was you had a lot of inventory on the market a lot of foreclosures credit was really tight so at the end of that two to three year period the payments jumped up quite a bit. And the buyers at that time or the borrowers that had those loans wanted to fix that payment again. They wanted to secure something. And when they went back to the bank to try to get a longer term loan, maybe it was another two year or five year or even a 30 year at that time, a lot of people couldn't qualify because the guidelines had changed. And at the same time, a lot of these people had lost the equity in their property because they had purchased with no money down, or in some cases, you know, two, five, whatever percent down. And, and depending on what type of loan, I guess 2% wouldn't have been an option. I just made that number up. But, um, you know, an FHA or, or 5% down or option or whatever. And then they just couldn't qualify. So it resulted in a lot of foreclosures. Times have changed, right? That, that is not the market that we're in at the moment. Plus those riskier two and three year options are gone. And at that time, you know, Josh mentioned a moment about how to qualify at that time. You could qualify. Some of these banks would qualify you on that initial interest only payment. It was crazy. Like you could literally get a loan stating your income, no money down, and they would be qualifying you on a payment that wasn't even fully amortizing. So 
it's a different environment. Things have come a long way. So, Josh, why at the moment would hold hold, hold on, Jeb? Because yeah. it's even crazier. As if as if what you said wasn't crazy enough, it's crazier than that. Those initial start rates, the two and three year rates, were known as teaser rates. And oh, they yes, were known, they were. They were they were known as that for a reason. So I just said, uh, if you take out a seven one arm today, they're going to qualify you at the start rate because the fully indexed rate most likely is less, probably a good bit less than your start rate. So if you adjusted tomorrow, it would adjust downwards. Those loans back in the day had monstrous margins. So the LIBOR index no longer exists for various reasons, but it that would they were most likely tied to, to LIBOR. And LIBOR at that time might've been, let's say 4%. You would have a 7% margin on that. So fully indexed is like 11%. Even if you had a low margin, it's eight or 9%. And your start rate was like five and a half. So in 24 months, we know that teaser rate disappears and the payment shoots to the moon. And they were sold with the idea that in 24 months, you'll refinance out of this. Right. And I, if, I, I, if I told a client today, hey, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna put you into this, but don't worry in 24 months, we're gonna do it all over again. I get to make a commission. You'd look at me like I'm nuts. You're like, well, what are you talking about? But that's exactly what um, the subprime industry did at, at that point in time. So again, what the big point that Jeb was making is the type of adjustable rates we're talking about are nothing like either the subprime 228, 327s or the negatively amortizing option arms. These are loans that simply have a shorter fixed period that you can use to your advantage to get a slightly lower payment. But with that said, there are risk, right? I mean, absolutely. Any, anytime you don't have a fixed payment, there are risk associated with it. So do we jump into the risk side of now or do we talk about why people would even consider them in this environment and then talk about the risk? Let's talk about the involved. let's talk about the risk and then and then we can transition from there. Okay, I understand there's no free lunch. So I'm giving up this to get this. Why would I want to do it? Yeah, no, for sure. So, so jump on it. I mean, let's talk about, I mean, it, it, the risk in this environment or any environment where you have a, 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 an adjustable rate is that at some point in the future, it's going to adjust, right? And the risk is that it adjusts significantly higher than, than what your initial start rate was. And then that could parlay into additional problems, which means Maybe you don't qualify for a new loan at that time. Maybe you can't afford the new payment at that time. You know, there's maybe property values have declined at that time. I mean, these are, are not things that we're necessarily predicting are going to happen. These are just potential risks that you and have could to be, happen. Yeah, that could happen. And you have to have, I think, part of, you know, being uh, considering an arm, you almost have to have a, a little bit of a gambling spirit in you to say, you know what, I'm willing to to take on uh, the risk of a five-year with the unpredictability, if you will, of what the future holds. And that is part of the risk is it's unpredictable as to where the future is going to be. And, you know, you could have been better at the time locking in a 30-year fixed loan based on where rates might be in the future. And that's that's the risk that you're willing to take. And, and I don't even think, Jeb, you have to go so far as to say a gambler mentality. It comes down to risk tolerance. Yeah, so yeah. if if we say, hey, uh, how, what do you do when you roll into town when you hit Vegas? Are you the person that is like, I have to get to the blackjack table as fast as possible? Am I going to pull the slots in the airport when I get into town? Or are you the person that's like, 
I want to get to the spa. I want to get to the buffet. I want to get to the pool. I want to get to Caesars and do some shopping. So, well, you're going those, to Vegas this weekend. I'm, so I'm you're going to tell we're going to do it all. We're going to do all of it, Jeb. <laughs> but what, what I'm, what I'm saying there is, you know, who you are. Most people are somewhere in the middle. There are people who are so risk averse that no benefit we're going to talk about here is enough for them to take on the stress of, of having an adjustable rate. There are other people who are so risk tolerant uh, and aggressive that they're like, I can save $42 a month. Hell yeah. Sign me up. So most of you fall somewhere in the middle and that's who we're talking to here. And, and with that, um, everything that Jeb said, all of the downsides may not be able to qualify for a, a refinance in the future. Rates may be higher in the future. Long ways of saying you're giving up the certainty of a fixed rate for some uncertainty and potential stress. And where does that fit with your risk tolerance? So with that, Jeb, why don't we look, I, I actually, just in broad terms, why would one of your clients consider an adjustable rate? We just talked about, well, hey, I'm taking on uncertainty and stress. What's a buyer getting in return for that? Well, I think, I mean, that that brings on some of the pros, right? I mean, I think if we're talking pros and cons, right, the pro of considering an adjustable rate is typically speaking, it has a lower interest rate. Now, that hasn't been the case as we've discussed, you know, on several occasions until recently, right? Because fixed rates on 30-year loans were so low, it never made sense to, to even consider an arm because the rates were higher. And it's like, why would I take a five-year when I could take a 30-year and it has a better rate? So typically speaking, you consider an arm, you're getting a better interest rate or a lower interest rate rather, uh, which translates into a lower monthly payment, which in turn, in, in turn, if you take that longer term, not the five year that you mentioned earlier, but the seven or 10 year, you might actually be able to qualify for more home because of the way they do the calculations on that adjustable rate being a lower term, you know, and what have you. So you might actually be able to buy more home or, you know, buy more home and have a lower monthly payment or a combination of all of those. That's why somebody might consider that in, in this environment. And something that's a little less common, Jeb, but there are people who have a fairly certain time horizon. Let's say you have a, a buyer that's a police officer and they're 50 years old and they know that their retirement age is 55 and they own a home out of state and they are out of here. Why would that person take on a 30-year fixed when a five-year gets them a half percent, three-quarter percent lower rate? So most people don't have the certainty of how long they're going to be in, in their home. But if you do, you got kids, they're going to be leaving the house and you're going to downsize. You're going to move out of state. There's a job transfer coming. Any number of things that would give you the certainty that you don't need 30 years of fixed rate would also be a good reason to consider an adjustable. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, that's the win like, when do people do it? It also translates into why. I mean, you know, that's why people would consider it. I mean, in an, in an environment at the moment where, hell, we don't know the direction of interest rates, um, you know, you don't get into an arm with the idea that, you know, uh, I'm sorry, you don't get into a fixed rate loan with the idea. I mean, if you're going to sell in two to three years, or like you said, you plan on refinancing or I mean, I've even used the example where you're you're maybe you're getting a big inheritance. You know that, hey, you know, I'm getting this money in X amount of time. I'm going to pay this house off or maybe I'm going to, you know, sell this one and buy something else or maybe pay down the mortgage or whatever. Those are cases where you say, you know what, maybe the shorter term loan 
is the best option because I'm not planning on having this, this property or this particular loan for any longer than a couple of years anyway. So why not take advantage of a lower rate now and cash in? But we know, Josh, there's some downsides, right? I mean, people, five years flies by, right? I mean, hell, I've been in my house now 10 years. It's it's crazy. I mean, so had I gone out and got a five or seven year, I probably still would have been okay because I've been able to, I've refinanced twice during that time. So how often are you seeing people, I mean, refinance? I mean, I know we've talked about interest rates before, but I think it's important. Interest rates have been in a downward trend for almost 40 years. So the idea that somebody might be able to refinance in the future is still pretty likely um, with, you know, if assuming that trend continues to stay intact. So, you know, maybe the 30 year fixed isn't the best option if you're planning on refinancing in a couple of years anyway. So not only are we in a 40 year downtrend, we have not had rates consistently above 5% um, in over 10 years. So you, if you're taking out a fixed rate today and saying, I have to have the 30 year fix because I believe rates are going up, you're believing firmly that there's been a sea change and that rates are, this is our floor and they're going to be higher going forward. Um, I think you're most likely looking at a situation where the 40-year downtrend does continue at some point in the future once inflation is under control. That could be two, three, four years down the line. Again, kind of why we talk about five years being your short end of a window of a fixed period you would want on one of these. But even if you think, say, five and a half is the new normal, over a five-year period, you would expect rates probably to range from 4% to 7%. So when you're at the high end of that range over a period of time, these loans are attractive. And then when you get to the lower end of that range or what you believe to be the lower end of that range, you look for the opportunity to rotate into uh, a 30-year fixed. So there's definitely you know, reasons and times and, and when you would use the strategy and when you wouldn't. And we're saying that December, you know, what, four months ago, three and a half months ago, rates were more than 2% lower than where they are right now. That's a reason why people would consider this. It's a little bit of a time machine. I have a client right now that they're, uh, they went under contract yesterday on new construction. It's not gonna be done till October. So we don't have any certainty. Rates could be lower in October. They could be another percent higher in October. But when we look at, at the numbers, it, it makes all the sense in the world for them because they can get closer to the, the rate that we talked about in December and for them, I believe the, the difference in payment is like $1,300 relative to where it was in December. So we can get four or 500 of that back um, going with, with a hybrid arm. Um, and their feeling is they're young, they're just having their first child, they're not likely to be here forever. So we're probably looking at either a 7-1 or a 10-1 for them to save some of that money. And Jeb, why don't we just look at, at quantifying this? Because it, it helps for people to see um, does this make sense for me? And the larger your loan is, the more this can make sense. If you're in a, a lower cost area, so um, just looking at this, a $300,000 loan. I ran some numbers. A really good rate on that 5.1 today is maybe 4.5%. 7 is about 4.75. And the 10.1 is about 4.88. And that's all relative to like a five and a quarter for a well-qualified borrower. So that 30-year fixed, for 300,000 has a $1,656 payment. So what are you saving? In this instance, the 5-1 is $135 less a month. The 7-1 is $91 less a month. 
and the 10 one is $70 less a month. So when you look at that, we go back to risk tolerance. Most people are not completely risk averse or complete gamblers. They're somewhere in the middle. You have to say, where where is my comfort level? Is it at that seven one? Is it at the 10 one arm? And then is $90 or $70 a month enough for me to make that gamble? And normally when we're on the lower end of the scale, those are the folks that go, yeah, I mean, uh, 90 bucks is a lot, but it's also, I like the certainty Peace of, of mind. the year. Yeah. Exactly. So now you, you basically double those numbers. Now, if you're here, um, you know, in California and you're taking out a $600,000 loan, we're talking the five one arms, $270 monthly savings and the 10 ones, $140 monthly savings. And, and I'm going to go to an extreme example here, Jeb, and then it's going to allow us to sort of transition and kind of wrap up the call of of who are you looking to get this loan with if you're looking at an arm and why why does it vary and why does it matter a little bit more than on a 30-year fixed southern california we have a lot of borrowers that take out million million five two million dollar loans a lot of people listening are like my goodness that's the craziest thing i've ever heard but at a million dollars i have a local bank they don't loan throughout california they only loan in eight southern counties. That's where their footprint is. That's where they're comfortable lending. Now, because they don't sell these loans in the secondary market, they keep them and hold them. They can offer much better terms than what we see on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac hybrid arms. So in this example, you could do a three and a quarter on a 5-1 arm. You could do three and five eights, 3.625 on a seven one or 3.875 on a 10 one. Now, again, this lender is really aggressively priced. So they're about 4.875 on a 30 year fixed, even on a million dollar loan. So what are we talking about there? So that, that 30 year fixed at 4.875 on a million dollars is $5,300 a month. If you go to the five one, it's $940 less. The seven one, $730 right. less. The 10 one, $600 less. So it really comes back to numbers never lie. If you're open to the idea, if you're somewhere in the middle and you say, I, I might, I might want to see what this is, we just have to quantify it for you. And you want to be working with a lender that has access, a, a loan officer that's either a broker or works for a lender that has access to portfolio loans. Because when we talk about these hybrid arms, the rates are going to be significantly better with a portfolio lender versus a lender that's selling to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, and has to put them into the secondary markets. So with that, that, that's kind of where I always leave it, Jeb. It comes back down to the numbers. Let's talk about your situation. What's the purchase price? What's the loan amount? How much are you actually saving? How long is your fixed period? And what is your comfort level with that trade-off? No, absolutely. I mean, if I, I'm, you know, as we have this call, you know, we're talking back and forth here. I'm, I'm wondering in my head, right? I have a 30 year fix to hell my, my rates at 2.99. So I'm, I'm fortunate in that regard, but I think I was, I had, I owned homes during the last, you know, housing crash, if you will. I I'm asking myself during this call, would I consider an adjustable rate again? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, and it's not because I think anything crazy is going to happen with the economy. I just, I have a 30-year fix now for the last 10 years. I've never thought about my interest rate once. It's never even popped into my head because it's not something that you think about when you have a fixed loan, right? It's not something that you consider because it you don't need to change anything. So, you know, to each his own. You just got to do the right risk tolerance for you and, and just find out what works best for you. And at the end of the day, a lot of times, like Josh said, it comes down to the numbers. What makes sense for you? 
Um, but one thing I can tell you is that if you are considering an adjustable rate or any loan for that matter, and this is not self-serving because I'm not a mortgage broker, a mortgage professional these days, but make sure you're working with a professional. You know, something I was thinking about the other day is the adjustable rates that are out now, a lot of loan officers that are in the market these days have never seen these products because they've only been around long enough to see 30-year fixed loans. And I can almost assure you that many people that are out there selling these loans have no idea how to, you know, uh, describe them to you in detail, tell you how they work, anything like that. So just make sure whichever direction you decide to go with, with loan programs, you are working with somebody that understands them. Jeb, with all of the mortgages that you've ever taken out, have you ever had an adjustable rate? I have. Okay. And uh, on a primary residence or did you do it on some? I had a, I had a five year interest only on a primary residence. And that, that tells you that tells you what Jeb does when he goes to Vegas. And, and it adjusted. And um, it, I was it was fortunate enough to be able to refinance it into um, another alone. Um, but it, it was a higher interest rate. I mean, it was you know, there was definitely adjusting in payment there. So, yeah, I mean, I have had an adjustable and that's why I think going back through it, I don't know that I would, I don't know that there, even though I have a, a little bit of a gambler spirit in me, I, I, I like the comfort of having a 30 year. Okay. I'm, I'm happy that I asked that because it's going to give us two opposite ends of the spectrum in 2003 rates um, got down to about 5%. So awesome. Right. Well, at that time I had been in my house for a year, a year and a half and my wife and I were looking forward and we're like, we're not going to be here forever. And we could get a 10 one at four and a quarter and like four and a quarter. Like it sounds like, well, today it actually sounds okay. But in December, <laughs> it would have sounded awful. But in 2003, we're like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. We're going to get a four and a quarter rates fixed for 10 years. We'll be long gone before this thing ever adjusts. Well, life happens. We look up and in 2013, the thing adjusts. So you're going, uh-oh, well, what did it look like? Well, in 2013, rates had moved much lower. So my loan adjusted down to about like three and three quarters. And then it went down again. And it went down again. I think our best year, we paid like 2.49% interest on that until we redid it in 2020. In the middle of COVID, everything was low. Um, and we said, well, we can take it from two and change, whatever it is, and lock it in at three and an eighth. And then we were able to do it again at 2.75. So our situation worked out perfectly. Yeah, I got the 10 years of fixed rate. I got five, six years of even lower rate without having to refinance. And then we got to roll it into a long-term fixed rate. So you can kind of see both ends of how that can work out and where your risk tolerance falls and what you may or may not do with it. But again, numbers never lie. Work with a pro who can pencil it out and quantify the risk and the benefit for you and see what you're comfortable with. No, absolutely. And if you need that professional, again, there's a link in the description below. Um, we'd love your feedback, guys. We've been doing this now a couple of months. Would love to know what you want to hear as listeners out there. What is it that you want us to cover in more detail? Kind of giving you a pretty broad scope from why you should own a home to, you know, is now a good time to buy to the mortgage side and real estate side of things. Kind of, a you know, a, a really good idea with regards to, you know, home buyer education. But what is it that you want to hear? That's what we want to know. So leave us, you know, a comment, send us an email. We're happy to do coverage on that, but tune in where we, you know, next week we're going to post again our live video that we do every Wednesday night on YouTube. So if you're, you know, somebody that listens to this and you want your question answered live, 
You can always show up on Wednesdays. Put your question in the chat. We do our best to get through all of them, um, but we take two hours and, and kind of guide you through that process. So if you want to be on camera, if you will, or, or have your question answered on camera, tune in there. But for now, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate your support. We'll talk to you again soon. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.